Hi, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and the best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote this U-Turn book, and I created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are. And that's why every single week, I bring a guest on with tools to help you upgrade your confidence both in your work life and in your love life. And I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. Soul CBD is the purest, cleanest CBD company that I've used. And at this point, I won't go anywhere else for CBD. Their products are all organically farmed, gluten-free, and have absolutely zero THC in them. So it's just clean CBD to help you calm your stress or your anxiety so that you can sleep well and be the best you possible. So if you don't have a sweet tooth like I do, then perhaps instead of their CBD gummies, I highly recommend checking out their CBD oil droppers that still happen to taste really good. The highest dose is 1,500 milligrams, the lightest dose is 500 milligrams, and their flavors include watermelon mint, orange, peppermint, and my personal favorite, the lemon lime. So before I became obsessed with the CBD gummies, I was taking these droppers at night per the suggestion of my doctor, who told me that they are totally safe and such a great way for me to get better, deeper sleep so that I can wake up replenished and tackle the day. Co-founder of Soul CBD, Mike Lee, discovered this product as a healing remedy for him after being a professional boxer, enduring all sorts of injuries during his career in boxing matches all around the world, and it's helped him heal so much with his autoimmune illness. It's really this product that was key to bringing his body back into a better homeostasis, and I know it's doing the same For so many people, this little oil dropper is perfect to throw into your purse, or if you're feeling extra, you can drop a little splash of it into your coffee or your cocktail to calm yourself down for the day. As you know, our friends at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. I can't suggest them enough. Head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul to access our special page with them. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L dot com slash S-O-U-L, soul, to access our page. And don't forget to use the code U-TURN at checkout for 15% off. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode. I think, to be honest with you, that pain is so incredibly important. It's more powerful than the shiny trophies of our past. We can find so much about who we are and we can push against that pain to step into who it is we wanna be. What's going on, U-Turn Podcast friends? It's Ashley here, and I have someone so special for you to talk about decision-making and how to make the most aligned choices for your life, for your vision, for where you're going. If you're anything like I used to be, maybe have a little analysis paralysis. And one thing I talk about a lot is how perfectionism, I think, is just a mask that we wear when we're afraid of failure. You know, we try to be perfect because if we don't look perfect, we open ourselves up perhaps to criticism. And it's so important that you love you and the life that you're choosing for you. And so I thought it would be 
really cool to bring Tanya Dalton onto the podcast today. She also has her podcast that I'm going to be on, which is so fun, called The Intentional Advantage Podcast. It's ranked among the top 50 in self-improvement on iTunes. Definitely check it out. She also has her new book, On Purpose, out October 12th, 2021. She's a best-selling author, speaker, sought-after business coach for female entrepreneurs, and a nationally recognized productivity expert. And she's also a growth strategist for female entrepreneurs and leaders in the corporate and entrepreneurial sector, of course. And so it is without further ado, I want to bring Tanya on to talk about decision-making. Thank you so much, Tanya. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited for us to chat today. Yeah, I, I feel like everybody could always use a little help with decision-making. So I personally am like, all right, I maybe Tanya <laughs> will give me a few things for my own decision-making. We all need it. Yeah. Yes, we do. One of the most powerful things I was ever told with decision-making is, you know, how being in limbo is one of the most powerless places you can be. And if you want to be powerful, just make a commitment, show up, see what feedback the universe gives you and course correct along the way. And I know in your book, you have four different angles. You talk about reflection, projection, action, and alteration. So for everybody listening who takes notes, I want to go through these four things and what it means for decision-making Um, But before I even get into that, what got you into this topic? I can't even imagine writing an entire book about decision-making and and actually, I don't even know what I would say. So I'm so excited to hear what guided you here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. And I think you're right. This is something that so many people need because there's so much indecision and we, a lot of times we can feel overwhelmed. We can feel stuck. And I like to say, We think the opposite of stuck is just getting unstuck, but it's really action. It's taking action. It's making the choices in your life. It's choosing to choose. And so often we forget that we have that ability to choose. And, you know, I felt that that way myself many times in my life where you feel like you've painted yourself into a corner, only you forget to look up and realize there's no walls. You're not really painted into a corner ever. We always have these opportunities. So I've had several moments in my own life with starting a business, closing a business, opening up a second business, that there's always opportunities. And for me, I think I really got on fire with this message for understanding your choice way back when um, I was a stay-at-home mom and I was uh, taking care. I had two small kids at the time and my husband traveled for three or four weeks at a time. He would literally leave our home and he would buy a ticket called the Around the World Ticket, which he would go all the way around the globe, touch almost every continent And I had a conversation with him uh, on one of his trips. He was on the other side of the planet. And I was telling him all the things that the kids were doing. They were really little. Like Jack was doing this. Kate was doing that. And he got really, really quiet. And he said, I'm missing everything. And I'm like, oh, no, you're not. You're not missing everything. He said, no, I'm gone for so much. Like I'm missing all the moments, all the milestones. And I tried to put his mind at ease. But as soon as I have the phone that night, my whole life changed. The entire trajectory of where I am today goes back to that moment in time where I stood in my kitchen, my bright yellow kitchen, and I made a choice. I chose to grow a company so that my husband could come and work alongside of me. I was going to absorb his MBA income. And I was going to create a life for us where he never had to feel like he was missing anything, that we could do things on our own terms. Now, at the time, I had, when I say company, I had started a business with $50. I was selling to friends, maybe, maybe friends of friends, if that. And I had zero business experience. 
And yet within a year, I was able to make that goal happen. I was able to, to really create a life for us where he was working alongside of me and we were able to eventually have location freedom where we we moved where we wanted to, to move. We had time freedom. We had the ability to, to run our family and our life and design it on our own terms. And it was really then when I backtrack and I look at that moment, that crossroads moment in my life that you really start to recognize it is the choices that we make. The small choices, the big choices, the giant choices, the itty bitty choices, they all get us to where we are today. But we have to make sure that we are choosing, that we are choosing on purpose. And I think that's really the message of the book is really this idea of being intentional with where is it you want to go, not just stumbling through life, but making those choices in a way that really aligns with you. You know, one thing that comes to mind as you're talking about this is the concept of seasons, because I personally, and I think everybody have been through seasons where it's not time to make a choice and we're uncomfortable and we're sitting in the unknown and we're forcing choice Mm -hmm. upon ourselves. So I think as important as it is to make choices that are aligned, it's probably important for everybody to also kind of own when they're in a season and this is not the time to choose. It's the time to reflect or sit. And so I know you have these points and reflection is your first one. I mean, I'm just so like, I just segued straight into that. I can't even believe, but (laughs) look at that. (laughs) Yeah. Look at us. We're just vibing today. But I, um, you know, I know that you had said to me, reflection is about looking back and asking why. And I know that we live in a world that's I think there's a lot of language about like time to move forward, like let's move forward. And sometimes we Mm -hmm. forget the importance of looking back. And I think that there's some language in society about like, don't live in the past, make your future better than the past. And I agree with it, but it's also like, we're missing probably so much. So what does reflection really mean for everybody? And what do they do now to do it? Yeah, I think you're so right in that people do. They're like, move on, move forward. And and yes, we we don't want to dwell. We want to be in the swamp of the past, but our past is just filled with treasure. It really is filled. It's like a gold mine of who you are and what you're capable of. I think so often you have to look backwards in order to really move forward. We have to understand where we've been to know where we can possibly go. And I think there's a lot of power in that. So to me, reflection answers that question of why. Why do I want what I want? Or why would I want this life for myself? And a lot of times we skip over this because the pain the pain of the past is difficult to get through mm-hmm. sometimes. But honestly, it's when we peel back the bandages, when we take a look and we allow air in, we allow, we allow those wounds to breathe and they can heal. That's what we can use in moving forward. I think, to be honest with you, that pain is so incredibly important. It's more powerful than the shiny trophies of our past. We can find so much about who we are and we can push against that pain to step into who it is we want to be. Okay. When we take the time to reflect. I, I love this. And I, what comes forward in my mind is the person who's listening, who, there's a lot of I don't know in life because you just kind of don't know the answer until you do sometimes, right? right. That's kind of like what mm-hmm. I was saying. True. I think a lot of people are in jobs and even romantic relationships where they're like, I don't know if this is the right person for me. And so I'm curious, like, how do they use reflection with themselves as a way to kind of move forward in those choices that they're kind of stuck? Or is there some wisdom you have around how to make a choice when 
you're not making a choice. Maybe that is the choice. You're stuck in no decision. Do you give yourself a deadline and say like, I'm still not sure about this thing by May 1st, I'm out. Like how do, what, what advice do you have for anybody right now as it relates to reflection or just choices in general who are kind of in that weird purgatory that feels horrible Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. no answer is coming forward? Right. Well, I think the thing is, first of all, acknowledge that that's, that's very real and it's totally normal to feel that way. Um, you know, it's funny. I just had a conversation with my son not that long ago. He's, he's about to head off to college. And we talked about the fact that you're never going to be a hundred percent certain about anything in life. There's never a hundred percent guarantee on anything. So you have to get comfortable with a little bit of that discomfort of not always knowing all the answers, because the truth of the matter is nobody knows all the answers. Even the people you look at that you're like, oh, they have it all together. They're just doing their best to hold it all together on a regular basis too. We're all just kind of fumbling our way through life. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that. But I love what you asked there about, do you give it you know, time? Do you give it a deadline? Absolutely. Because as I mentioned earlier, we don't want to get stuck in that swamp of regret or that swamp of our past where we're just recycling and re-going over the same things again and again and continually beating ourselves up. Hey, U-Turners. This episode is sponsored in part by our really good friends over at Organifi. And what I absolutely love about them as a company is that their products are perfect for someone like me who has a busy schedule but really wants her nutrients on the go. It can be really hard to set that time aside to do the juicing or eat your greens. And that is why I've particularly fallen in love with their green juice powder. This powder has become something I just throw into my protein shake to make sure I'm getting my greens on. And oddly, I've gotten so into it that now I'm throwing it into my morning coffee with a nut milk, which somehow is making my coffee taste like a peppermint coffee. No idea how that happened. But truly, even if I had the time to juice vegetables or make massive salads, I don't always love that taste of the dark leafy greens. Their green juice powder is packed with superfoods like moringa, chlorella, mint, beetroot, matcha, wheatgrass, ashwagandha, turmeric, so much more. I always give myself a little pat on the back when I throw a scoop of their green juice powder into my day. So if you want to give their green juice powder a try, I can't recommend it enough. Head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use that U-Turn code at checkout for 20% off. And if you're weird like me and you throw some green juice powder into your coffee with your nut milk, please send me a DM on the gram and let me know what you think of my little concoction. All right, now let's get back to this week's episode. So I like to call it a container, creating a container of time. So when I picture time, I picture it in containers and I call it a container because it has like two edges to it. You go in the container and you get out and you set that time for when you start and you set that time for when you end. So you can do a reflection exercise for a day. You could do it for a week. You could do it for a month or two months, but you know, you don't want to say, well, I'm just going to stay here until I can figure it out because it gets a little too easy to stay there in that swamp. So really going back and looking, if you feel like you don't know, asking yourself, okay, what are the things I regret? Because we can turn regret 
into resilience. We can push against that so powerfully. We are so much more likely as humans, our brain is wired to move us away from pain faster than it moves us towards pleasure. So if we can acknowledge the pain, what do I regret in my past? Well, I don't like these things. Or in this relationship, what is it that I'm regretting? What are the things in our past that I don't like? Now, if I can do the opposite, that's resilience, right? So how do I make the opposite happen? That's when our past becomes a springboard for our future, is when we push against those things that we don't like. For example, for me, I had a, I had a season where uh, we had had a big debacle with an order of our products because I, I have a business and it's a product-based business. And we had a terrible order where everything was damaged in shipment. And I ended up spending three months having like insane hours, seven days a week, you know, 15 hour days. The kids were coming straight to the office instead of going home. There was no play dates, none of that. And I got to the end of that season and I thought to myself, what do I regret? Well, I would never do that again, but I learned so much from it because that was the moment that I made the decision. I'm not going to work past three o'clock anymore. I don't work on Fridays anymore because I knew I regret it. I felt like, I felt quite frankly, like a bad mom. I felt terrible because I felt like my kids had been neglected. They, they were being amazing and they were very kind about what I was going through. But at the same time, I didn't like that guilt I felt. And to peel back that bandage and look at what kind of mom I had been during that season was hard. Mm-hmm. That was painful. It, I'm not going to lie. That was one of the things where you look at, you're like, I don't even want to look at it. Yeah. But looking at it and acknowledging it and then saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. How do I not do that anymore? Mm -hmm. That's when I was able to shift and make that difference. So that's why I think pain is so incredibly important. You know, what you're sharing kind of reminds me of also that research that talks about how the pain of a loss will always hit you more deeply than the gain of a win. And it's like almost yes. like it's just easier to be sad in society because it's it's easy to get a win versus like the pain of the loss. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel like looking back, some people might say if they're looking at their job or even their romantic relationship, which are, have been my examples, I think um, they might say like, there's not necessarily a regret I have. I just don't feel right. Or this doesn't feel like what I want it to feel like. Mm-hmm. Um I know you have a lot in your book about why the words you tell yourself matter or how to disrupt a pattern in your life that doesn't serve you. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. Or, or you, you talk about exercises to get to the root of belief. So I'm curious around this reflection piece before I even ask you about the other three pieces here that you talk about in the book, what do you have to say to the person that's like, I, it's not that I don't, that I have regrets. It's just that I don't feel like what I hoped and I'm not sure what to do with that because The thing that I don't like as a career expert is there's too much PR about loving everything and this high bar that's so not human. I just tell Mm -hmm. people all the time, like, if you like 80% of your work, you're doing great, you know, because everything has a cost of admission. Everything has a negative (laughs) side. So how do we look at and reflect on these moments where it's like, okay, I'm in a situation. I could choose to stay or go. I'm not feeling great. I don't have any regrets, but where do they go with that? Yeah. Well, and I think you're spot on there because one of the things I talk about in the book is doing what you love doesn't mean loving what you do every day. There's going to be hard parts to everything we do. I love what I do, but I don't spring out of bed every day and go, oh, I get to go run a business. Some days I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed, just like you feel. 
And that's, that's okay. I mean, we have to acknowledge that this idea and this bar, you're right, it's so insanely high and it's unrealistic in that we need to understand who we are, what we want to really, to really move forward. And so I love this question because maybe there's not any regret, but you, there's just this underlying sensation of like, not sure. Right. Or you feel it in your gut. And the, th- the truth is your body tells you if you're not happy with something, you'll show up as a pain in your neck, a stomach ache, mouth ulcers. You'll start to recognize and realize. And when we stop and ask ourselves, why do I feel this way? Why does my body telling me this? Then we can dive into it further. I, I really believe we have to listen to our bodies. Our bodies are like one of the bit, they're like the indicator light on your car that the oil needs to be changed. Something has to change because this is appearing in your body. So I have an exercise that I talk about in the book called the fifth why. Mm -hmm. So it really gets into that root cause of why is it I feel this way? And it's so insanely simple to do. I mean, you can literally just do it sitting in a chair. You don't even have to get a sheet of paper out if you don't want. Uh, But basically what you do is you ask yourself, why do I feel this way? So, you know, if you're feeling frustrated, how come every morning I'm feeling really frustrated when I get to work? Ask yourself why one time. Well, I feel frustrated when I get to work because I'm sitting in traffic and I'm really irritable. Okay, why are you sitting in traffic? Well, I'm sitting in traffic. Here's your second why. I'm sitting in traffic because I didn't get up and get out of bed and I hit the snooze alarm too many times. Okay, third why. Why did you hit the snooze alarm so many times? Do you see how you just keep going back and forth till you get to that fifth why and you start just digging in? Because the problem is, is we ask ourselves, why am I feeling this way? And we get a real surface level answer. Mm -hmm. We get this, the bear, like just the shallow end of the pool, Mm -hmm. because the deep end of the pool is a little bit scary. Let's be honest, getting to that root cause and really peeling back those layers can be a little bit difficult, but we ask why we ask why again, we ask it again and again and again, you get to that fifth, why you're really getting to the heart of why this is an issue. And I love doing the fifth, why exercise, because it can totally tell you how you're feeling and where that comes from, especially, I mean, Honestly, the thing is, you have to be really truthful with yourself. Mm. You have to be willing to say the words out loud. You don't have to say them to anybody else, but you have to be willing to say them out loud to yourself. I feel this way because, and then say it. Yeah. And not worry about the judgment, not worry about what anyone else is going to say or think, whether you're fitting inside that tiny little box that society is trying to cram you into. So asking yourself that why five times, that gets you to your root. Why yeah. is it I really feel this way? And then you know this is really the issue. So if you're having a problem with your relationship, why do I feel this way about Sam? Let's say his name is Sam. Why do I feel this way about Sam? Why is Sam really annoying me? Well, because he's doing this. Why is that? And just keep going back five whys. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why we do five is because five gets you into that deep end of the pool, right? But it's not 3000 whys because you could ask why forever. Just mm-hmm. ask any three-year-old. <laughs> they yeah. can ask why all, yeah, all my, the time. My little baby cousin. It's like, why is butter yellow? I'm like, dude, this is going to be a, a long night, even though he's so cute. Okay. So this is really right. good. I, and I love what you're doing, helping people get to the root of their beliefs. And I always tell people, mm-hmm. you know, the opening for you to probably do this kind of a why exercise is when your body feels off, which is kind of what you were talking about. And in my TED talk, yeah. I talked about how there's... I think it was 200 million neurons in, in your gut, which is the size of a cat or dog's brain. So it's like, there's an intelligence to when your stomach, your stomach sinks. And when you are having second brain, second brain. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. 
let's say that someone is reflecting, you know, they're doing the why exercise, they are looking into their past at regrets, they are saying they're making a container of time and kind of like an experiment almost is what that container feels like to me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to do a 30 day experiment where I yeah. See how it goes, which is great because I feel like as humans, we don't love commitment as much as much as an experiment sounds a little more fun. <laughs> At least for me. It does sound like more fun. Yeah. And I it's messy. That. Let's be honest. Experiments are messy. <laughs> exactly. And then the second piece that you write about in the structure of your book is around projection. So I know that reflection is about looking back and saying why, but projection is a little bit more about the what. Like, what are the choices we want to make? And I know this is where the rubber kind of hits the road and and people get to own it. And right. you already touched on how hard it is for us to all sometimes own what we know. It's, it's scary because it can unravel your life and I, I get it. Um, so you talk a lot about cathedral thinking and how to spin a negative into a positive um, procrastination analysis, uh, multi-passionate people. Like, can you just tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about what does it mean to get into the what and start project the future, start to set the intentions? Yes. Well, I think it starts by being choosing to see your future. There are the most fascinating studies about how we view ourselves. And I think really, I know for me that when I when I read these studies and I understood them and I and I researched and I found several studies that said the same thing. It, for me, it was like this like light bulb moment in that who we are today and who we are in the future to our brain are two different people. Yeah. So there's this fabulous study where they did an fMRI and they had people talk about themselves and a part of your brain lights up when you speak about yourself. Mm. And then they had people speak about themselves in the future. Now the future could be two years from now, could be two weeks from now, could be two days from now, but it's you in the future. A different area of your brain lights up when you talk there. Now, what's really fascinating is that area of your brain that lights up when you talk about you in the future is the same area of your brain that would light up for these participants of this study when they talked about Natalie Portman Mm. or Matt Damon. So Mm. strangers, people that they kind of feel like they know, but they don't really know. Mm. So there's this whole disconnect on you today versus you in the future, even if that future is just you eight hours from now. So this is why we make decisions to splurge on the shoes instead of investing in the 401k, or we eat the the cookie instead of the carrot, because it's not you who has to pay the price of that. It's that future you. It's somebody else, not you, someone who looks like you, someone who has the same name as you, but is not you. And so that's the first step is really understanding, oh, This is why things haven't worked for me in the past. Understanding that not only is this how your brain works, this is how everyone's brain works. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And you can understand that and acknowledge it. So what we want to do is we want to make a connection between you today and you of tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. we do that through what I like to call cathedral thinking, really looking forward past today. Mm -hmm. How does somebody start to to do the cathedral thinking where they connect? Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't know, I, I eat really healthy because of my own health stuff. But before I found out I had Lyme disease, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have my snacks in right now. Cause my right now self loves mm-hmm. it. And then obviously I'd get like a skin rash or something the next day. Cause I'm allergic to like 90% of what I used to eat. So I don't know, like, w- let's say somebody walks off of this podcast, they, they're in their car, they're listening, whatever, and they have their moment because it's it's all the time that we're choosing between now and the future, right? 
all the time, like buying that extra thing or saving or eating that thing or seeing that person, it's an old lover and they're meeting up with them. And it's like a little slippery slope. Like what message do you have around cathedral thinking or processing that can help them get a little more aligned with who they actually want to be? Because I know that one of the keys to self-esteem is making promises that you can keep with yourself. And if you are constantly harming yourself with your choices right now, that's got to really hurt somebody's confidence. So what would you say to that person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think this is a thing that's really important is understanding how do I connect with that? So there's all there's, and this is the great thing about technology today. And you can even do this using Snapchat for crying out loud, but pulling up a picture of you and creating a picture of you in the future, what you're going to look like. They've actually found that when they have people look at a picture of themselves at the age of 70, they actually save more for their retirement than if they're just saving on their own or looking in a mirror. So you can do these age progression things. You know, they have all these filters nowadays. It makes it super simple. You can put up a picture of yourself. You can put up, you can create a picture of yourself. You know, if you want to run a marathon or do that kind of thing, a picture of you crossing the finish line, really connecting those dots. You know, Steve Jobs always said, you know, you can't connect the dots in moving forward. You can only connect them in going backwards. What we can, can, what we can do is we can project ourselves into the future to create those dots looking backwards. So really understanding where it is you want to go. Mm-hmm. And this cathedral thinking, I call it cathedral thinking because, um, you know, back in the, I mean, early, early centuries, we have these amazing cathedrals that were built, like the Duomo in Florence and, uh, you know, Notre Dame and all these things. Those were not built in one single person's lifetime. Mm-hmm. They were built over the course of 600, 700, 800 years. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea that we are building something today to make a bigger, better, brighter future that is so much bigger than who you are in this moment. So really connecting those dots through looking at yourself differently. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, too, when you make that choice to understand that I need to choose to see myself in the future, our brain is smart enough to circumvent that and go, okay, I know that I have this disconnect. Let me make those connections for you. Mm-hmm. Using the age progression images, doing things where you're really planning things out 10 years in the future doesn't mean you're married to them. But it's just this idea of this is what I'd like to do 10 years, 20 years in the future and work our way backwards. That's really incredibly powerful in getting us to make the choices today that give us that brighter tomorrow. You know, what's so cool about this is your framework is making me think a little bit about how I live. One of my priorities is to always be investing in my future self. But a sweet spot for that is to think about like, what do you enjoy right now or what feels interesting or what do you pull towards right now that would support your future self? Like when you talk about your future self and cathedral thinking, one thing that's really cool about that, that I'm kind of noticing in my own life. And I hope for anybody listening, this is helpful is I'm always thinking about my future self, not in that disconnected way where I'm like, Oh, I have to not spend that money on that vacation so that I could save that. It's more in a creative way. I'm always thinking to myself, like, what can I do today? That sounds really fun right now that would support who I want to become. And so when I was going Mm -hmm. into counterterrorism, I ended up um, taking Arabic classes way before that because I thought, oh, this is going to support me one day. Um, When I started having food sensitivities, I was like, I'm going to take some cooking classes. So I think there's some highly creative ways that people can start to support and show up for their future self today. And right now, that 
aren't maybe like, for lack of a better term, such a bummer, right? Like, I just want to remind people, it doesn't have to be like the old picture of yourself, even though I love that. And I'm totally going to do that. It can also be like, not just who do you want to be on the goal line, like of money and, and success and job titles, but who do you want to be on the soul line? Like who, what do you, what do you want your soul to know? Like I, love foreign languages. I know I need to learn Spanish at some point. I used to speak it and I forgot it um, because I learned it as a little kid. So it's like, I know at some point I'm going to invest in my future self and take Spanish because it's going to be a joyful experience in the right now. So I would just leave anybody who's listening to the reflection and the projection that we're talking about with the question of what are some things that are interesting to you now that you think would really contribute to who you want to become? Because it doesn't have to be so on the goal line. There's so much to the whole of who we are, yes. which I love what you're sharing. Okay. So is there anything else about projecting into the future? Cause I love visioning and visualizing uh, before I ask you about action and the how. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you're talking about there because you have to be in love with the messy middle. You have to be wanting to do these things. I feel like so often we feel like life is supposed to be this thing that we're like trudging through and life is full of so much enjoyment. Mm -hmm. If we stop focusing so much on the goal line and instead choose to focus in on looking at the view today, pulling those things that you do love. I mean, one of the things that I talk about with projection is looking at your lost dreams. What are the things that you wanted when you were a kid, when you had no boundaries whatsoever for what you were capable of, when everything was a possibility, what is it you wanted? What is it you dreamed about? What is it you enjoyed? And really ask yourself, go back to that fifth why. Why did I enjoy it? You know, in the book, we talk about like, you know, maybe you wanted to be Wonder Woman and that seems funny or silly to you now, but is it really? Is it the fact that she stood for justice? Is it the fact that she 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 was a truth seeker? Is it the fact that she was helping other people? What is it about those lost dreams that you can pull forward into today? Mm-hmm. Because that's really the things that you loved before people told you you couldn't, before people told you that it's not possible, before people told you that you can't. You had all of these possibilities at your feet. What if we went back to that? What if we chose? to see ourselves as endlessly possible. Yeah. I think if we did that, if we broke down those boundaries, we really could tie into what we want because life doesn't have to be difficult. Life doesn't have to be hard. It can be full of so much joy. I think there is so much joy hidden in our everydays. that if you're not doing things on a daily basis that are bringing you pure, unadulterated joy, then it's time to really stop and take a look. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not, life is not meant to be hard. Hmm. Yeah. And even when you have these hard moments, it's like, I love that you talk about boundaries. I think that there's this interesting distinction I notice with some people where there's boundaries, which is I'm not going to do this, or I can't receive this from someone because it keeps me well to not have this thing, or I need to set a boundary with someone right. so they understand where mm-hmm. I start and they end. I think that a lot of people get stuck with having barriers, like walls up where it's like beyond a boundary. It's like they're shut off and they're yes. scared to feel themselves. And So I would just ask anybody, like, where do you need to have boundaries in your life where like maybe you have resentment? Because resentment is always a shows you where you need a boundary, right? Like if you have a if you're resentful, it's Mm because you probably have a poor boundary somewhere, right? So it's like, where do you need to look at resentment? Where do you need to look at resentment? Where do you need to set boundaries? And then even more, like, where are you putting walls up around yourself? Where have you forgotten yourself? I had a friend who she's living in Los Angeles for years. 
She went to school in New York. It was really inconvenient for her to live in New York because everybody in her life is in LA. And she just went back to New York and called me in tears like, wow, I've really shut off the truth that I belong in New York. And it's like, we're so scared to be who we are. And so I want to get into action because I know you talk about reflecting, Mm -hmm. looking back at why, projecting, looking at what and, and what do you need to do to support your future self. And we talked about the fun side of it and also the responsible side of it. Um, tell me a little bit about what you say in your book on purpose about action and really how that relates to the question of, of how I know that, you know, too many people get caught in the house. So I'm glad you made this one, the third piece, because it's like, people yes. are like, how do I do that? And then their brain shuts off versus you need to know what you yep. want. You need to be pulled towards something and then you can eventually get into the how. So I'm curious, like, talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on discipline and willpower And I don't know, like you talk about the beautiful mess effect. Um, Yeah. Tell me a little bit about action and how for people as a next step. Hey everyone, it's Ash here. And I'm sure you've heard me talking about beam before and how important it is to stay hydrated out there because when you're not hydrated, well, we all know how that goes. We get headaches, fatigue, and we simply don't feel our best. And for me, kind of growing up in Los Angeles and influencer land with so many people who are focused on wellness... I always think often, you know, just about how important it is to go back to the basics and being hydrated is so that just getting enough sleep, getting hydrated and boosting that focus. So luckily beams elevate hydration powders, make it so easy for you to not only get the electrolytes your body needs, but also the digestive balanced, enhanced energy and help with recovery. Elevate comes in three flavors over at beam to meet your specific needs. Balance brings you pre and probiotics to support a healthy gut. Energy delivers just that with caffeine and recovery, and it's made with collagen peptides for extra joint and muscle support. Plus, your water tastes amazing. If you haven't messed around with electrolytes in your water, it is time to get started. It's a game changer. If you don't know this, research is indicating that the quality of our water and our fertilizer has significantly gone down. And as a result, it's so important that we are able to revitalize our water with electrolytes. Every single Elevate powder odor over at Beam is made with a supercharged stack of electrolytes like coconut water, pink Himalayan salt, sourced completely from nature. Plus, there's never any added sugar or artificial sweeteners. And all the hydration powders are paleo and keto friendly. Our listeners can get the Elevate Variety Pack for 35% off by going to beamorganics.com slash U-Term. That's B-E-A-M dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to try the Variety Pack at 35% off. Happy hydrating, my friends. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, so many people, they want, they just want the, the, just tell me what I need to do. What is the how? How do I get it? And it's like, well, I can't tell you the how because your, you and what you want is different from what this person over here wants, what your mother wants, what your best friend wants, what your cousin wants. That's why it's so important to have those first two steps of the why and the what to really understand who you are, because there is no magic easy button that's like, just click that. And all of a sudden, everything's magical. Unicorns come flying in the air or whatever. It's, it's not going to happen. We have to figure out what it is that you want. And then when we get that, when we have a good foundation for why you want it and what it is, now we can create the how. And the how becomes easy because really it's just about breaking it down and giving yourself these little milestones to work towards to make things so that you can actually achieve them. 
you know, I love that you asked that question about discipline. I think so often we love to blame discipline that I'm not disciplined enough or I don't have enough willpower. And the truth of the, of the matter is there is no willpower. There is no discipline. Anyone that you look at who looks highly disciplined just has a bunch of habits that they're doing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're really being honest with ourselves and we look at that really disciplined life, we would really decide for ourselves, I don't really want that. Yeah. That's not a real, <laughs> it's not really appealing to me. And so it's truly about creating a life on your terms. It's your extraordinary life, not mine or Ashley's or anyone else's. It's what do you want? So if you feel like you're one of those people who has struggled with, well, I don't feel like I have discipline. Like I let myself down on a regular basis. It's a very, very simple fix. Give yourself a very small, very easy, accomplishable habit that you're going to do. So let's say that one of the things you really don't like about yourself is that you're, you're really messy Mm -hmm. or that you don't put things away. Okay, a really simple, easy habit is to to make your bed. Takes you five minutes, right? Set that habit of I'm going to make the bed. And what happens is we do this small, teeny, tiny, itty bitty habit. I mean, who can't make their bed, right? You do that, you get that accomplishment, you get a small win that builds your momentum. And that leads to a bigger win, which leads to bigger momentum. And we create this beautiful spiral and this momentum of win, 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 win. And what you do is you start proving to yourself because We love to believe that we are not capable. We love to buy into that story that we are not enough when truly you are. You just have to remind yourself. And there's a payoff to that, right? Like by believing you're not capable, you get to stay comfortable and not put yourself in front of failure or vulnerability or loss or all of the things that come with going after what you want. It's like, you know, it's, there's convenience to saying I'm not capable of that. It's like, I get it. It's scary to decide that you're capable of something and to go do it. Well, who wants to fail? I don't think anybody goes out and goes, you know what? I really want to fail. I'm going to learn so much from failure. It's going to be amazing. No one ever says that. (laughs) I mean, like no one, but if you're not failing, you're not succeeding. Because you are not really getting out of your comfort zone if you're not failing from time to time. If you're not sticking your neck out there, if you're not trying new things, if you're not testing those boundaries, these barriers we are talking about, you're not really living your life to the fullest. So let's choose to live our life to the fullest. And that means we don't have to run and embrace failure, but we can accept it. We can acknowledge it and we can move forward. We learn so much from failure. And I think this is the thing, you know, you touched on the beautiful mess effect. We look at other people and we see them failing and we go, wow, that's amazing. Look how they pick themselves up. What a fabulous story. I mean, there's not one movie out there about any person, Steve Jobs or anybody out there who does not have failure in their story. And we love that story. We love the story of the underdog unless we are the underdog and then we hate it. And we think that we're terrible and we're always failing when failure is how we learn. It is. So it's what we want. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. It, it's just, it feels like failure is on the same block as success. And I feel like there's a short sightedness to us thinking that the way success works is we go and we succeed. It's like, it's, it's <laughs> yes, a shortcut. It's not human. Mm -hmm. And I feel like life is so iterative and we're growing, moving, changing organisms where we, and the world is changing all the time. I mean, every five years of research, a skill set we have is obsolete. Um, One thing that you kind of talked about that I was thinking about is um, 
you know, I was thinking a lot about extreme thinking and rigidity. And like when somebody's super disciplined and willpowered, sometimes I think there's a wound to it where there it's, it's being held up. Absolutely. Right. Like we just get really rigid out of fear. And um, so whenever I find myself outside of the gray, which I think life is the gray, and it's not to say I don't say yes or no to things. I do that all the time. But when I'm in rigidity or extreme thinking, that's always when I kind of start to do the why exercise that you were talking about. Like, why am I so rigid about this? Why aren't I receptive? Um, why am I fighting it? Why am I fighting it? So I think just kind of a note for anybody, like there is something about those small steps you were talking about for sure. And the discipline and the willpower also remember that if you're super rigid, there's maybe some wounding to look at too. Um, and you know, I, I also love that you talk about in your book, like we need to stop seeing fear as the enemy and there's so many words like being fearless. And so I'm curious, like what feedback do you have about that piece? Yes. Well, I think this is the thing is we, when we're really rigid, we are, we're operating out of fear that we think that if we put these walls up, that somehow it's going to keep all of that other stuff at bay. When really all that does is it insulates you from everything you're possible of. And I think we have to remember that we think of fear as being this enemy, that this is terrible thing that we want to avoid. Fear is a beautiful, wonderful thing that we want to embrace. Fear can be your greatest ally if you let it. You know, we think of fear as being this, you know, our palms get sweaty, our, our stomach gets tight, we get a, you know, a fluttering, and, and we, we feel all these, these nerves, right? It feels exactly the same. It manifests exactly the same in our body as excitement. And if we choose to reframe fear as maybe this is just my body gearing up with excitement, that this is something big coming around the corner, then we can embrace it more. But what we do is we, we tamp it down. We go, I need to calm down. I need to calm down. And that's hard for your body to do, to go from fear to, to calm. Yeah. To go from fear and reframing it as excitement is really easy for your body to do. Yeah. So it's a nice little shift that you can make there. But truly, fear is often a sign that we are on the right path. Because we are gearing up, we're getting excited, our body's getting aligned, and we immediately take that as a sign from the universe that we need to stop. We need to back down. That if there's fear there, fear is always present. We we want fear. Fear is important for how our body functions. We have to have fear, otherwise we would touch the hot stove, otherwise we would we would go out into moving traffic. We would we wouldn't think twice about hanging the Christmas lights without a ladder. We would just hop off the roof. We need fear. We have to stop looking at it as this terrible thing and instead look at it as this thing that pushes us in the direction we want. If you are experiencing fear, test that out a little bit. Push that boundary just a tiny bit. Doesn't mean it has to be a giant leap out of your comfort zone. Tiny steps count just as much as giant leaps. And I think we lose sight of that. I love that. And I feel like also, you know, um, when I studied psychology, got my master's, we talked about this concept of incomplete cycles of action, ICAs, and like things like a stack of books on your nightstand that you never read. It kind of lowers your self-esteem over time because you're constantly looking at yes. things that you're not taking action on and showing yourself that you live in a world where the things you say are going to do, because putting something down next to your nightstand is almost a form of saying, I'm going to do this and not doing it. So I think it's almost like also giving yourself permission to take things off of your list to question why you don't want to do them. Because sometimes the answer isn't the discipline or the micro step. It's you don't even want to do this. It's not aligned. Throw it out. Yeah. Sometimes we set something up that we think that we want. And then we go six months down the road or six days down the road. And we're like, hold on a minute. This is not what I want at all. But we feel like we've already bought in. So we're stuck. 
You're never stuck. It's okay to shift. I used to say um, to make your goals in ink, right? Plans in pencil, make goals in ink. I'm like, that was the dumbest thing I could have ever said. Goals should always be written in pencil because it's okay to erase them. It's okay to shift them and to change them. You are shifting and changing and growing. Why shouldn't your goals, why shouldn't your dreams shift and grow with you? The you that you are today is extraordinarily different, I would guarantee, than the you of 10 years ago, mm-hmm. right? Even the year you of a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, the, you are a different person and it's okay for us to evolve. It's okay for our goals to evolve too. And for some of them just to lop off. That's absolutely okay as well. That's not a failure. That's actually a sign that you're growing because you're moving past some of these things. Yeah. And even when people kind of, you know, like I sometimes will coach people one-on-one these days, um, just rare, you know, I'll take on a handful of people. And I had a client recently who kind of hates her business at this point. And I, and I just, she was in so much shame and sadness about that, especially because it's a service-based business Mm -hmm. and she feels like she needs to have a lot of heart, but she's good at what she does. And I said, this is great news. Like when you hate everything, you're just shaking things up. Like you're on the bridge of change. And (laughs) You know, I had a guest on Emily Fletcher from Ziva Meditation. She talks about creation, maintenance, and destruction being the three phases that we're always in. You're either creating something, maintaining it, or it's about to be destroyed so that you can go create something else. Yeah, It's human. But and that destruction is, it's a fabulous thing. I think we we worry about how it looks. We, we worry about how other people are going to perceive it. What are they going to think if we do this? I walked away and closed up a very successful business. People told me I was insane. They told me I was crazy. But it didn't align anymore. It didn't it didn't do for me what I needed it to do. And then I moved on. And you know what? I'm so much happier for doing that. Love There's that. a lot of pain in that moment. And we do. We, we worry about, you know, is this what I should be doing? Or I'm good at this. So I should be doing this. We got to stop shooting on ourselves and just choose to do things that really feel good to us. Yeah. Because when we do things that feel good, our body knows it. Our brain knows it. And it becomes easier. Why are we fighting it? You're choosing the struggle instead of choosing the ease a lot of times. Yeah. You remind me of my really good guy friend. He, I just saw him yesterday and he was, he's dating somebody new and she's officially his girlfriend now. And he was looking back at his last relationship. He was talking about this new one. And I'm like, man, this sounds so much happier and easier than your last thing. Cause it was like a rocky start in the last one. And he was like, yeah, man, I think I got used to feeling horrible. And like, I just didn't even attract things that felt, I wasn't even noticing things that felt good. Cause when you're living in like horrible feelings, it's really tough to even notice the good ones because you're kind of committed to them. And again, we talked about payoffs, like feeling horrible Mm -hmm. is kind of like feeling incapable. You don't have to go do anything. You're just kind of sitting in it. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I want to ask you about this last piece in your book. So, and, and, and my yeah. note takers, we talked about reflection, the why, projection, the what, action, the how, and then alteration, which is the question of what if, and what if you get off track and how do you kind of course correct? And, you know, friendly reminder to anybody listening, you're always allowed to change your mind. You know, you're allowed to, you know, like Byron Katie says in her book with romantic partners, I love you until I don't. You know, we're allowed to change our mind. <laughs> I love it. So um, tell me about alteration. Yeah. And we kind of touched on this with this idea of it's okay to to let things go. It's okay to shift. And, and the truth is life happens. 
This is why we build flexibility into bridges and buildings so they can withstand the earthquakes and the, the tsunamis and all those things. We have the earthquakes of life that happen, the big shifts that happen, the, the things we don't expect, the things that head down our road that just totally throw us for a curve. So we want to give ourselves the grace. I, I think, you know, earlier you talked about that whole idea of the rigidity, right? That we get this, this rigidity. And that's just what happens with a lot of our plans when we're doing this, you know, when we're doing the how and we're planning out an action roadmap, we're like, this is what has to happen. And then this has to happen. And then this has to happen. And when it doesn't go in that order or when it doesn't happen one thing after the next and lining up like nice little dominoes, we think we have failed or we've done something wrong. When honestly, it's the detours of life that get us to the life we're really meant to have. Yes. It's when we veer off of the path, that's when we suddenly discover, I had no idea I love this, or I didn't know I was capable of these things. So looking at our obstacles as opportunities, instead of being these barriers in our way. I like to say, whenever I picture a barrier in my path, whenever there's something preventing me getting to where I want to get, in my mind's eye, I picture it as a wall, like a short little wall, almost like you would see on an army base kind of a thing. And I say to myself, when I get to these walls, I say, okay, I have a couple of choices here. I can climb over it. I can go around it. I can dig a tunnel underneath it, or I can gasoline this thing and just burn it to the ground. Mm -hmm. All of those are options. All of those are choices we can make. Mm -hmm. And all of them create new opportunities and new paths. Mm -hmm. So you can see there's a path to go around to the right, a path to the left, a path over, a path underneath, a path, path right through it. So right there, when we have this one obstacle, that is, what is that? Like five, six opportunities right there in front of you. Love that. There's always opportunities. Whatever is in your path, whatever makes you feel stuck or that you can't get out of it, you have a chance to stop, pause, and look up. And that's what I would tell you. If you're in a moment right now where you're thinking, yeah, but I have this big thing in my path. This is this big thing that I can't get around. This is a beautiful time for you because it's a time to just take a deep breath and really look up. We're so busy looking down at our feet and where we're going. Stop and look up, get a little bit of a bird's eye view, and then make some choices of where it is you can go because you can choose that. So that's really what alteration is about, allowing that flexibility for life to happen, not getting married to how you're going to get there but allowing yourself the grace to be beautifully, imperfectly human. Mm, love it. And you talk about the three A's when it comes to alteration. What are those three A's mm -hmm. for everybody as my final question? Yes. Well, the first one is to acknowledge, just acknowledge, okay, I've gotten to this point and something has gone wrong or I'm off the path, just acknowledging it and acknowledging it without judgment and then assess it. All right. What can I do now? What are my opportunities? What are my choices? What can I do? How can I shift from here? What do I need to do next? And then adjust, make the adjustment. Because the truth is that you can think about these things all day long. And this is the thing I, I, that really drives me crazy with manifestation, because I'm a, I really am a big believer in manifestation. But people think manifesting is just thinking it. You put it in your mind and you have to think it. You have to have the action behind it. So making the adjustment, making the shift, making that move. So acknowledging, assessing, and then adjusting. That gets you anywhere you need to go anytime you get to a detour in life. Okay, I love this. I I feel like I could talk to you for so long. I'm so glad we're going to have another conversation <laughs> on your show. I know, me too. <laughs> uh, and where can everyone find you and get the book? Yeah, so the best place to find me is tanyadalton.com. 
And you'll find links to my podcast and the book and everything else there. But the book is anywhere books are sold. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I would love for you to go to your local independent bookseller as well, because those people could really use our help as well. Uh, but really anywhere books are sold and it's called On Purpose. We go through the four steps that we kind of covered here, but um, this was amazing. Ashley, like I said, you and I are so aligned and this was such a great conversation. So thank, thank you. you again. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And again, thank you so much to our sponsors, Organifi, Soul CBD, SaneBox, and so much more. We are here because of you and our listeners. Thanks so much for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people we trust and for listening to the show, for writing reviews. Can't wait to talk to you next week.